it's almost like I feel like we have a second chance. Like it almost feels like a second startup. Quick Hire has closed and we are starting from scratch with WorkTorch in a way because it's like we're able to take what we learned the first two years, the mistakes, the things that we didn't do right, and kind of start afresh. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Future at Work, a show where we give you a glimpse into the future of work through the lens of the founders that are building it as they build it. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. My guest today is Deborah Gladney, a friend of mine who is not only the CEO, but also the co-founder of WorkTorch. And what is WorkTorch exactly? Well, it's a career platform with a deep-rooted mission. They are all about lighting up the path for the service economy workforce. They have a strong focus on restaurants and retailers, and her and her team want to help these businesses find and retain the absolute best talent out there. But there's one kicker. They're doing it way differently. Not only are they a job matchmaker, but WorkTorch's approach is all about gaining insight, creating feedback loops, and crafting career development plans that not only help people find jobs, but find the best careers and truly set their workforce on fire. It was really fun to connect with Deborah and catch up. We share so much in common, some of which we touch on, just like building a company with a sibling and many other things. But what I'm most excited for is for you to hear about her and her sister's journey, what they've gone through, and even still battling through to achieve success and serve the industry and customers that they care so much about. So let's dive in. How have you been? Like, it's been a super long time, I feel like, since the last time we connected. Struggle. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, like, WorkTorch is still here. We're still fighting. We're still building. And that, to me, is a win in and of itself. It has been a grind. Candidly, earlier this year, we lost, like, our three biggest customers, like, back to back. Literally, like, within weeks of each other. It was weird. It was almost like, did they talk to each other? Like, what the heck? It was bizarre. And they were in three different industries, but they all shared a common theme of cutting spend kind of thing. And candidly, it's made us look at our product in ways that we probably wouldn't have if it didn't happen. Because to me, I think it says something that like, okay, when they're looking to cut spend, if they feel like they can cut our platform, then we need to figure out we're clearly a nice to have and not a need to have. And so it's challenging us in ways that we probably wouldn't have ever done, but it's still been a challenge. And in order to extend our runway, having to cut the team and all kinds of things. And that's the part of founder life that people don't talk enough about. It's not always just like these big rounds and like these whatever. There's some tough valleys in there. But like I said, at least we're still in the fight. So it's all good. How about you? It's very interesting to one empathize with you because I think I can like this year has been like a roller coaster. We've continued to grow. And at the beginning of the year to start the year, it was like this sort of like mixed feeling where we had, we landed like our biggest customer by far, like 10 X. And then also same Q1 lost some customers we expected to like, you know, with our ICP, like who we're going after, we would kind of expect some of these customers to not want to continue, but then we lost some that we were fully expected to, you know, be with us. They loved us and they still love us. They just like had different needs or different business reasons that they made that call on. And so going into board meetings and having to share like, yeah, we have some good news. And so, you know, it's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and then like even here recently too, like, I mean, as recent as was it, last week, you know, we 
had to let a few people go for similar reasons. Like we're still in a good position to like continue to grow, but we had to make some tough calls sooner rather than later. So that's what I'm hoping to do here is like dig into some of those sorts of things. Like what are those challenges kind of shaped in you? Like if you're thinking of things optimistically, like what are you pulling from some of those situations? I will say it's in these moments where I'm just super grateful that my co-founder is my sister. And that's something else that we have in common as far as like the sibling co-founder dynamic, because we've always been each other's lifeline in a way where we've always kind of just naturally tried to pick each other up. So even in this moment, there was one time I called her and I was like, the sky is literally falling. It is on my forehead. It's done. But even just those moments of like, girl, we're fine. We are fine. We're going to get through this fine. And just hearing that can do like wonders and just a reminder that like, okay, we do actually still have runway. We do still have some customers. We do have some promise to build off of. So that is one thing. But as far as like other optimism as well is the customers that stuck around, why they stuck around, they may not be the biggest, but even just why they've stuck around, I think even gives me that optimism of like, okay, we're onto something. Maybe we haven't quite polished it, but we're still on the right track. And then continuing to get in front of customers and do demos, I think that has been very encouraging as well. It goes back to just having the right people around you, honestly. Yeah. One of the reasons I was excited to chat with you and like in prepping for the conversation, I was like, man, we have like more things in common than I realized, like starting a company with a sibling is just one of them that hits home for sure. But I guess like what has been the most like special aspect of starting a company with your sibling, obviously like being there for each other during the tough times, but what's been unique about that for you? Yeah, I think it's been cool to see her grow in a different way. I know she's said this about me because I know she's been asked that question a couple of times. Just seeing things that I've always seen in her that maybe she never saw in herself just come to fruition and having to lead a team and do all these things that I always knew was in her. But being just a witness to that, I think is super cool. And even her leading a team, I think that has been really special to watch. And it's funny because one of our teammates at one point, she was like, there's something about Angie that I just feel like I can go to her and cry and all these things. <laughs> she's like a mom to me, which is so funny because she's my younger sister, right? So I'm like, that is so funny. But it's also super special to see that and to see what others see in her and like look at her as a leader. Again, knowing that was always there, but just see her walk in that, I think is really cool. And then, you know, I think even just trying to build something for our families as well. Obviously, we share the same story with our parents being African immigrants, and we just knew the grind that they went through. And again, just not even having to explain that and just knowing that we were there together and without having to say a word, just know what the other person means or what the other person's even going through. Like, I know that girl like the back of my hand, so I can tell without her saying something that something's off or if we're in a meeting in front of investors, like I can tell she's off or she's 
about to struggle and I can step in and vice versa. And these are things that other founders don't have, you know? And so that to me is also super special. And I'm curious, I don't know how close you and your brother are or how far apart in age you guys are. Do you have a similar dynamic? I'm curious. Yeah, I was about to ask you like kind of similar question, but like we're four years apart and he's my younger brother. And so like when you were speaking about your sister, I could tell before you said that she was your younger sister, I was like, I could sense just the way you speak about her, that she's your younger sister and getting to witness that. And I definitely have a similar feeling too. It's like, yeah, that's my little brother, you know, but like he is leading our whole go-to-market team and like we're figuring things out and closing our biggest deals. I'm like, that's so cool to see. And yeah, I was going to ask, building a business together, has it also made you closer? How has it changed your relationship and dynamic in any way? It definitely has made us closer, but I think that we have been through enough together that has tested our relationship to where we know now how to kind of separate the two. Because she's also my sister. I don't want her to feel like the only time I'm calling her is talk about work torch. No, like I want to know how my nephew's doing. I want to know what you do this weekend. What movie did you guys go see? That sister relationship is so important and being able to separate the two, I think is really important. But I feel like we kind of went through a similar thing in college. We're both members of Delta Sigma Theta and she, obviously I crossed before her. So like I brought her in and I had to learn how to separate the two. Like, okay, this is Delta, but like you're my sister as well. And being able to separate the two, I felt was like the first time where I had to learn how to really do that and the importance of that. It's funny how just those moments in life that you're like, oh, this is silly. It, you know, never really will apply. Just how it does apply in this chapter of our lives as well. And so because of that, I feel like Work Torch has brought us together because we do a really good job of being able to separate the two as far as, okay, yeah, this is work. This is my sister. And now it's like natural too, to where we don't even really have to think so much about it anymore. I just feel like we operate in it just super well. And that doesn't mean that we don't talk about work torch after hours. We do. <laughs> but I just feel like we have just really learned how to really operate in the two roles really well. So it's helped from that standpoint. One thing that Devin and I did, like unofficially, but like it became like basically our rule was work stuff is in Slack. So we'll call each other in Slack or message each other in Slack for like work stuff. And then we'll text or call the regular number for just like non work stuff i'm curious if you guys do anything kind of like that good for you now we've just blurred all those lines in some ways like <laughs> yeah you guys are clearly way more strategic than we are but now we haven't really done so much of that but i will say that now i think about it most of the time like the whole slack is mainly work stuff i'll never put in really personal stuff in slack now that i think about it usually i'll call her or whatever Again, I think that it, some of this is just almost subconscious now. Like we don't even realize that we've actually done it because we've done it for so long in different ways. I guess switching gears a little bit, you know, as I'm thinking of launching the show that I feel or I sense is there's like different types of entrepreneurs. All of us are one equally doing really cool stuff, but I feel like we get into it for different reasons or have like a different mentality behind it. So I guess I want to kind of get to like your, before like Work Torch, your origin story, like what led you into 
the world of entrepreneurship. And I guess the two categories that I think about, there could be more. Some people are like wired to be entrepreneurs, like whatever they're doing, they were going to figure out somehow to be an entrepreneur. Like that's just how they're wired. Or the other is they were called into it from the problem that they're trying to solve. And so I'm curious of like, maybe in those lanes, like how do you think about it and what is it for you? Yeah, that's interesting that you grouped it that way. Because I definitely feel like I was called into it and literally called. My sister called me and forced me into this. <laughs> it's interesting because growing up, like my dad used to always say, Deborah, what about starting your own business? And I don't know if it was just the immigrant in him where he just saw that as like the American dream to like own your own business or something like that. And he just never really had the means or the opportunity or the time or whatever to do it. I remember one point I was like, dad, don't ask me again. I have no desire. I do not want to start my own business. Like that sounds horrible. That's <laughs> literally what I told him. And for the longest time, it was my husband who wanted to start his own company. And so I was always like, okay, my husband will start a company one day and I'm just going to work corporate. And that's my thing. I will say that corporate started to kind of wear on me as it does with a lot of people. But especially once I started having a family, it was almost like I had to plan my life around work, which felt so wrong, you know? Some of the companies not offering parental leave and stuff. It's almost like we had to plan out our pregnancy so that I would have enough time, like PTO. So it was just stuff that just didn't make sense to me. From that to just also feeling like it was about how well you played the game versus like how hard you really worked. And just so many different things about it that I felt like this might not be good for me, but I didn't know, okay, well, what else am I going to do? I got kids, I got bills. I don't know. I did start dabbling in some consulting, like PR consulting, because my background is public relations and communications. And so that's when I started to dip my toes in the whole entrepreneurship realm and started to realize, okay, maybe this is not as scary as I thought. I had to go get clients and it was just me, but still it's like I had to set up a shop, you know, and I had to figure out my accounting and all of these things. So I had my own little kind of business brewing. I think that's when I started to realize, man, I kind of actually like this because it was pretty cut and dry. Like if I work really hard, if I hustle hard and get a lot of customers, I'm going to get paid. There wasn't any else. There's no middleman, no like this level worker gets this percentage and this, you know, wasn't that. It was just about like, did I provide value? And if I did, I was paid and that, that was it. And so I really liked having the ownership and like the keys to my success, literally. When this came about, it's actually my sister who had a direct experience with the problem that we're trying to solve. Like she worked at inner city schools in Los Angeles and she was like, man, these kids just really need help with career planning and what to do. Like a lot of the kids are not going to college, but no one is guiding them and all of these things. And so she really wanted me to join her in that. But I was the one that had the experience actually at least figuring out how to start a business. And so it was just a natural progression from there. Me and my brother actually just got asked this today, but just like, was there any conversation around like, all right, who's going to be the CEO? Who's going to be, what was that like? I would be curious to hear how it happened for you guys because literally my sister told me. Like when I tell you, she told me. I felt like I did not even have an option. And yeah, I didn't have a choice. But granted, 
obviously I wouldn't have done it if I didn't believe in it and relate to it and feel like it was a problem that was worth solving. But like, we never had to have those like fighting type of conversations because she was just like, look, this is what I'm good at. I know this is what you're good at. We don't even need to like fight over this. And for us, it really just didn't even really care so much about the title. People kept asking us who was what. And so we we're like, okay, we need to at least put a title on somebody. And so she was like, Deb, you're CEO. I'm CEO. All right, let's get on this next call. Just like that. And honestly, it's worked out really great because she's much better at like details and operations and things like that than I am. And for me, like more vision, where we're going, that kind of thing. So it's worked out really well, but I think it's because we know each other really well. And so we just knew what, where we would best operate. And also like, we love each other so much. There's no feelings in it. With the business, it's like, it has nothing to do with if I believe in you or not. So we take the feelings out of it. And I think that's really important if you're ever doing business with family. Well, I'm curious, how did it end up for you? How did you become CEO? It was a little bit flipped for us, like where it was originally the idea that I brought to him. I used to have this about a 45 minute commute to work. But during that time, I found myself like calling him a lot. Like he's an entrepreneur too, before qualify him and actually one of our other co-founders, they started a food truck while they were in college. And that's kind of how part of how our founder group started to form. But my commute back and forth to work, I would just hit him up and be like, you know, what ideas do you have? What are you working on? Stuff like that. And this was one of my ideas that he resonated with and it just stuck. And I think it always was me as the CEO and but he's been our like everything person, like getting a lot of the like, customer facing stuff. Like he was our first designer. He's our go to market, like marketing sales, all that sort of stuff, customer success. He was doing all of that when it was just a few of us. And so now that's kind of the area that he leads. So it was a pretty easy conversation. And we like set a lot of stuff up clear in the beginning. So it wasn't like something that we like pushed off, like, you know, equity, all that sort of stuff. Like we just handled it when it was really nothing. We just handled the conversation when we had basically nothing really there to show for it. And then now it's helped us because we don't have to like even have those conversations anymore. How are you thinking about the challenges that you're facing now? And something that like I felt recently or try to be like really grateful for is like one, having challenges to begin with is like a privilege, you know? And then two, like I remember when we first started, we had Nothing, but like when we were like trying to just get a customer and now we have multiple and then we're like, we got to grow faster. When I met you, it was quick hire and now it's work towards, but what are your early memories of like those challenges? How did you think about them? And you're right. Having problems is a privilege. That's one way I should think about it, right? Not just bask in my misery. Those early problems, it's interesting because you're right. Like in the beginning, we created a platform and then it was like, how the heck do we get people on it? We had no idea, didn't know anything about go-to-market or any of that kind of stuff. And so I grabbed my laptop and she and I, we drove around from restaurant to restaurant that had like now hiring signs. And we would literally go in there and I think about it, I think it's so funny, but these people were so gracious to even like let us interrupt them on the job. They did. That's how we got our first three and they were free trials, but they were people on the platform. On the employee side, we did get some brand ambassadors and they helped us do that. So a lot of it was like their friends and family just like, hey, download this app, get on this platform kind of thing. So very grassroots on that side. 
our first problem was like, how do we get people on the platform? We have no idea how to do that or what to do. But I think just that scrappiness and whether it's textbook or not, or whether it follows a model or not, like we really kind of didn't care, but we just are very much about like, we're going to figure it out. We're going to do something and we're going to learn. We'll learn quickly if this is effective, you know, or not. And so I think that that has helped us even in moments like now where the problems might be a little bit bigger than that. But it's encouraged us of like, we've got to fail fast. Clearly, we got to try something else and test it. And we still kind of have that scrappy mindset. And I think that is really essential when it comes to entrepreneurship. And like you said, sometimes it's really about outlasting your competition and outworking them. And so that's really what we've tried to do now and apply that now. Yeah, that's all about perseverance that was a huge word for me like over the last few years it's just like keep pushing because it's about outlasting i think people just get tired and quit or drop out for different reasons i can see why like at first it's like earlier this year i was like i don't know angie this is pretty tough i could see you know it's really really hard but yeah i think again having the right people around you and reminding you of your why and being able to balance each other out perseverance has been a really big word and to your point like it's crazy to think that we've even been around for three and a half years at this point and even when we had to recently let some people go which is really hard I was like, man, they had a great, fun job for two, three years. I'm like, that's actually much better than we probably thought we were going to do for them, honestly, which is still really hard, candidly. I mean, we had to let some really awesome people go. But again, I think that even just, like you said, having problems is a privilege and just even still being around and still being able to have time to still fight is what keeps us going. I guess on that note, like, what are you excited about? Like, obviously, there's never a shortage of things to, like, be against us. But, like, what keeps you going? What are you excited about in terms of maybe, like, what you guys are building or what you guys are doing right now as you're thinking about these, like, pivots and stuff? Yeah. What I am excited about is we're asking questions that we probably should have been asking ourselves. But, again, I don't think we would have had we not been in this situation, you know? And it's almost like I feel like we have a second chance. Like, it almost feels like a second startup. Like, Quick Hire has closed and we are starting from scratch with WorkTorch in a way because it's like we're able to take what we learned the first two years, the mistakes, the things that we didn't do right, and kind of start afresh. And honestly, we're starting with a leg up because in the beginning we had no money. And we didn't have anyone that was technical. Like we didn't have any, it was just me and Angie. So it was a struggle. But I'm like, we actually are starting in a better position than we did start quick hire. And so that in and of itself excites me that like, okay, we have a huge advantage here as far as how much further we can get now, knowing what we know now and what we have now than what we did before. So that's exciting. Secondly, like I said, we're asking questions about our product and really pushing ourselves. Having had the loss in some of those big customers, the reality is that some of them are really kind of sucking us dry as far as like our attention. And I feel like we are now actually challenging our product and thinking about things that we would have never thought about. And so we actually recently went through like a product brainstorming and some ideas came out of there that I was blown away by that I'm really excited about. It's like, 
wow, I really think we have a chance to like really do some disruptive things here. And so that kind of stuff, just eliminating the noise and really thinking, how do we really help the people that we're trying to help? That's really what has gotten me excited. And you went through Techstars as well, I think. And so it's almost like we're back in Techstars phase where we're like ripping things out, testing at a bunch of MVPs and just seeing what sticks. If you remember that time, that time was fun. And I'm excited to be there and really trying to figure this out and apply what we've learned. That's legit. I'm curious of, uh, yeah, like what are some of those things that if you're able to share, like what are some of those things that you've learned? And like, I've heard you talk about how you guys got started before, like during COVID. And I'm sure there's like unique insights there. How different are they from like maybe the unique insights that you have today? When we first started, I didn't know what customer acquisition cost was, for example. Like I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. And so once we got into it, I mean, it was literally like, we just got to figure this out as we go. And then once we started actually getting some bigger customers, we were like, our job seeker acquisition cost is wild. It's astronomical. It's like, how do we even fix this problem? You know, so that's just an example of something that we just didn't really know or think about beforehand. And now it's like, how can we better solve that and shifting that acquisition cost to the customer and not for us to absorb, et cetera. So things like that, that's just like an example of something. It's like now we have an opportunity to actually build a profitable business that is really, truly scalable and not one like if we're scaling, we're going to burn through capital faster. And so that's just probably one of the examples of something that we're excited to get right. Even things with like pilots and contracts and things like that. And I think a lot of that, the way that we didn't really set up these pilots and contracts for us to be successful as well. Now that we're talking to these bigger customers again, this is how we're going to set it up now that we know those are some of the learnings that we're excited to apply this go around. You mentioned something along the lines of these people that we care about in terms of like your customers or the people that you serve. Like, who are those people? I'm glad you asked that question because I felt like, honestly, we were starting to lose sight of that because we were so wrapped up in like grow, 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 get these companies, companies. It's almost like we were starting to lose sight of the people that we are really trying to help the people that Angie talked about when we first started this company. These are people who didn't have a traditional four-year college degree, or if they did, they were still going down the non-traditional education route. And so these tend to be service economy, skilled labor type of workers. And they are really the people that we are wanting to help find a career that they love, that they're paid well for, and you know that they're respected for, if you will, and that aligns with what they want to do and not feeling like they have to do this job, but they're actually pursuing a career that they want to pursue and that they enjoy and that they love doing. So those are the people that we're really trying to help. And thus, the beneficiary of that are employers who employ these people, because if we're able to align people with the right career that they love, that they'll be just better employees for these employers. And so that's really at the heart of what we're trying to do and who we're trying to help. And I think that this season has helped us like focus, you know, and you kind of get caught up in like the grow by any means necessary kind of thing. And I'm not saying that growth isn't important or any of that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But 
if we're really connected to like who we're helping and the problem that we're really trying to solve, then I think the rest will start to take care of itself in a way. I imagine sometimes that's like challenging from like the employers that you are serving with their people that they're trying to help bring into those organizations. Like, what do you feel like you're preaching constantly to those employers? Like, what do you wish that they knew or did better or what you wish you could help them with more? When we first started, when we were more focused on like recruiting and things like that, the big message that we were always preaching is that like, you got to pay people better. You got to do right by people. You can't just expect people to like bend over backwards for your company if you're not doing the same for them. And there was a lot of that where people didn't want to really want to pay what people deserved or they just had a lot of expectations of people, but they weren't holding themselves to that same standard and expectation. And I still kind of feel like that's true. Even as we've been moving more down the funnel of retention and career development, it's still that same thing. It's like, okay, yeah, you're expecting all of these things from your employees, but are you holding yourself to that same standard? Because if you're not, these people are not going to stay. You know, you could try to preach retention all day long, but if you're not a great employer, if you're not doing right by people, then that's probably not going to be attained. That's probably one of the biggest things. And I was going to say ownership, but I think that all connected because it's almost like it's easy to blame somebody else or blame the employee, blame the technology, blame the customer, blame everyone instead of looking internally, like what can we do better as a company, as a culture to better attract and retain employees. And I think the more that people look internally, I think those are the ones that we're seeing are more successful with actually keeping their people. Yeah. I was going to say, is there any employers that you work with that are like doing something specific or something unique that is leading to better outcomes from a people standpoint? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we're seeing, which is what we've been really focused on in this season, the ones that are winning more communicate better with their employees. We're trying to help facilitating that process a lot more, but you would just be surprised by how many employers just straight up don't even like hear from or talk to their frontline employees or talk to their employees. And like, they don't even know why they left. They don't even know that they have a lot of issues in their stores. They don't even know that maybe there's employees that have been mistreated. Like they don't even know these things. They don't even talk to them or ask them. So yeah, I think communication is probably the biggest thing or the biggest hack. It seems simple, but you would be surprised by how many employers just don't do that. Well, sweet. Well, this is the Future at Work podcast. So I know we're getting close to in the time. The way that I want to try to fade out or sign off is first question is, what is something that you're predicting for the future? And this could be for yourself, for WorkTorch, or just a general prediction for the future? There's a reason why our story's not over yet. There's a reason why we are still open for business. And I think a lot of that is because we have a lot of impact left to make, both WorkTorch and for my sister and I. And so the future of WorkTorch, I think that we're going to end up getting into some areas that we never really saw ourselves initially we might end up in some brand new verticals that may have nothing to do with recruiting. And especially coming out of some of our brainstorms, I see us going into some exciting new directions. And so I think that is really 
the future of WorkTorch, I think that we are going to evolve into something that we probably would have never, ever imagined. And I'm excited to see what that ends up being. And then, you know, for my sister and I, I think that a big part of our why is the people who we're serving, but also being Black female tech founders has been a big part of our why as well. And having an impact from that standpoint and changing the face of entrepreneurship and bringing people alongside this, bringing our community, Wichita, Kansas, alongside us as we do it is a big part of that. And so for us in the future, our goal is to continue to do that alongside building WorkTorch. And it was Steve Case, one of our investors through Rise of the Rest, you know, he told us, he was like, if WorkTorch is successful, Wichita is going to be successful. Other Black women is going to be successful, all of that. And so that to us really resonates with us. And so that's where we see ourselves heading in the future. I love that. Man, I wish we had more time because... That was what I was thinking about too. Is like, all right, we're both black founders with sibling founders in work tech, went through tech stars. We share other similar investors. So the next one is work. What is it, your favorite thing about what you do at work? Selfishly, I think the best thing about work is that for the most part, I can structure my days how I want to structure my days. I'm a morning person. I get up early. So if I'm like, okay, I'm going to knock out as much as I can between 6 and 12 or whatever, and then say I got to log off and, you know, take my kids to some appointments or whatever. Or let's say if I'm going to work until 3 and then I'm going to go help with my kids flag football practice or whatever, and then I'm going to log back on from 7 to 10, I don't have to explain and I don't have to feel bad for that. I felt like I'd spent a lot of my 20s and before quick hire feeling like I had to choose and I don't feel like you have to choose and that to me I think is like the best thing about my life now is that I feel like I can be an amazing entrepreneur and still an amazing wife and mom and that to me I think is the best thing I love it and then the last question is where would you love for folks to find you at find us at worktorch.io and also find us on all the social media platforms, Instagram, we're at worktorch underscore IO. We're on LinkedIn. Those are probably our most two active and you can find us on worktorch. And then you can also email us if you're interested in talking more about what can I do to recruit and keep the best talent, particularly if you work with hourly workers, you can email us at hello at worktorch.io and we'd be glad to chat. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been way too long. We got to do this again here soon, but I really appreciate you joining. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Future at Work, brought to you by Qualify and created in partnership with Share Your Genius. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and you can connect with me on LinkedIn where we can continue the conversation from there. See you next time.